We all want to feel better, be happier, and have more freedom. And there are endless resources at our fingertips. But wading through a sea of self-help books, podcasts, and workshops takes more time than anyone has. Except me. That's my job. I curate and translate the latest, most effective personal development wisdom to help you elevate your personal experience and improve the way you show up for others. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is Self-Helpful. Comfort food and how to fuel our mindset and performance. I mean, we all want to feel well. We want our body to feel well and not have aches and pains that bother or limit us. Then we want to feel well mentally. We want hope and happiness and a sharp mind that can think critically, make decisions, be creative, and just be at peace and feel hopeful. And we tend to think of what we eat only in regards to our physical wellness. And we miss that what we eat is likely a primary culprit to our mental state. It's why we feel anxious or doubtful and fearful. And we think our mental state just comes only from what we're thinking. But consider this, have you ever had a thought or seen something that made you feel nauseous? If the thought or the feeling is in your brain, in your mind, then wouldn't it make more sense that the pain and fear or disgust, whatever the negative feeling is, gave you a headache, that it ached where it happened, right? Up here. Then why does the feeling manifest in your gut, in your belly, maybe to the point of you actually throwing up? Why do you have a thought and feel butterflies in your stomach instead of butterflies in your head. Well, this is my wrap up on Dr. Will Cole and the message in his philosophical book on wellness, Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. And I'm grappling with the misconceptions and realities of this whole gut-brain connection thing. The Self-Helpful Podcast was founded through the Zig Ziglar Corporation, June 15 through 16 of 2023, just six days from this podcast publishing. And this is actually uh, almost the last podcast that I'll talk about it because there's, I think, just a few seats left. But I'll be in Dallas, Texas to attend and speak at the Ziglar Coach Summit. And if you listen to this show, you're somebody who is interested in influencing people for the better, professionally or personally. I'd ask you to go check it out. Ziglar, Z-I-G-L-A-R.com slash coach summit. It'd be a gift to be with you in person for a couple days. Following these sponsors who help make the show possible and provide great resources for your life. I bring you my wrap up on Dr. Will Cole and the message in his book, gut feelings. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, friends, I generally write out a structure and specific points as I wrap up a series. This one, I'm really just going to sit here and think and ponder through with you for a moment. The gut-brain connection. I mean, it makes it possible for emotional experiences to register as gastrointestinal distress. I mean, when you feel anxious or feel fearful or, or certain that you know something's wrong, you're often going to experience those stomach twinges and pain or nausea, as I talked about in the intro. That's where the name gut feeling came from. And that's really interesting. We never think about why do we feel it down there? We're thinking it up here in our head, but we're feeling it down here in our stomach. Why is that? We just think, you know, that's how the body works. Well, it is. And, but there's a correlation, a direct correlation, uh, an interstate connecting these two places. Uh, the saying, I looked it up, trust your gut. And they think it most likely originated from the anxious or bad feeling that you get in your stomach when you know something's wrong. I mean, anxiety can create so many physical symptoms, one of which is like that, butterflies in your stomach or even nausea and stomach pain. I had a friend one time who talked about the emotional or, or, or the physical manifestation. Think about that, the physical manifestation of emotional pain. I mean, the mind is thinking when I'm thinking about something anxious or fearful or, or disgusting, again, why doesn't my mind hurt? Why don't I get a headache instead of it going down and I feel it down in my you know, stomach, even my chest, but my mid area. I mean, those anxious thoughts that you feel in your stomach, they can cause havoc down there. So that's the first connection. What we're thinking is going to influence us down here. We get sick to our stomach. We talk about that. Oh, I feel sick to my stomach because of a thought or a feeling or emotion. And if we're doing that, if the stomach's all messed up, the gut, well, it can't do its job. How is it going to do it digesting food? Well, it's not normal. It's affected by all those things. So if we're feeling heartburn or gas or indigestion, is it because of what we are thinking? I mean, connecting to your brain. Think about fogging your, your thinking up, brain fog. And that, is it coming from what we're thinking? Or then, and the other place, now we go to the other side, is it because of what we, our stomach, what we're putting in our stomach, what we are feeding our stomach. So how does the brain affect the stomach, the gut, and how it functions? And then how does what we eat and goes into our stomach then go the other way and address and connect to how we are feeling? Uh, we talked about in part three, a lot about fasting and you know letting our stomach feel empty out in essence. And when we do that, when you fast, so if you've ever done that, if you fasted for a, a while, half a day, a lot of people do that, uh, you know, but a whole day, even more so uh, a few days, you may feel hunger in your stomach. You might feel lightheaded a bit, especially if you're not hydrated enough during that, but you may anyways, your body's not used to it. But what we almost always hear, not there's always exceptions, and you may have experienced it and you're an exception or talk to somebody else. But generally what people say is, but I do feel really clear headed. 
what's with that? Why do we do that? And I've experienced that. I've done a lot of different fasts. I've done, um, you know, of course, a lot of day fast. Uh, I've done a decent amount of three-day fast. And one time, about a year ago, I did a five-day fast. And it didn't, I'm not going to say that I just felt awesome the whole time. Uh, and I was often just irritated because I wanted to eat, felt hungry. But I did feel clear-headed. I had to admit that. I feel clear. And that's what we hear with people. Why would that be? Why would emptying the stomach make us feel clear-headed? We think if we empty our stomach, ah, maybe you know we, we feel a little lighter as far as moving around or our, our pants are a little looser or something like that. But why would it make my head, my mind, my thinking feel clear and exacting? I mean, often when we talk about people being uh, hangry, they, I'm hangry, I need to eat. I don't really need food to burn. In that sense, they may need to you know, not eat, or it may be, you may be best served to have some nutrients. It's interesting, before, this came, this is literally a week or two before the talk with Will, and I wish I could find it again. I think I sent it to one of my kids, and I, I can't come up with it, but I saw this meme, and it said something to the effect of, someone, oh, I was feeling depressed and despairing and nothing's going for me. And then I ate sushi and everything seemed okay with the world. And I thought it was just kind of a funny thing about, you know, how we do eat and often feel better. But now talking with Will, I'm thinking maybe that wasn't just funny or now I'm not taking it so funny or a promo for sushi, but thinking about it now and thinking maybe that's legit that when your stomach's in disorder, you're not getting the nutrients that you need. And then you give it something and sushi on the grand scheme of things is generally a, a healthier food that it did set things right. And you do really honestly feel better. And it's not just because you ate something that you might like, it's because you actually put something in your body that it needed. We may find it's brought me into, and this is why I titled the show around comfort food. You know, we may find, let's say we are feeling bad. We are feeling despairing or hopeless or doubtful or fearful or angry or irritated or frustrated or whatnot. And we think, okay, that's what we get comfort food, right? And we think of comfort food, we generally think of, you know, cookies and ice cream or something like that. So it's not, that's not, I'm not going to discount that, but let's not confuse it with emotional eating and even trauma eating. I mean, there are foods that give us pleasure and that does can have a calming effect, can have a comforting effect. But if it's a bad food, meaning something that's going to cause problems down in your gut, ultimately, it's probably going to be a short term soothing. And if we want to soothe it long term, we might look at something that is a little healthier, that does give us some nutrients. Now, man, I am not at all discounting the, you know, the comfort foods that just, oh, it just feels good. It brings back memories. Maybe you grew up with, you know, macaroni and cheese or whatever, and it's a comfort food. But generally, if it's just, especially the store-bought box stuff, man, that's an inflammatory box of stuff there. Uh, you know, I just watched the movie, The Whale. I don't know that I would recommend it. It's a hard movie. You're not it's not an entertaining movie, but the whale it won awards. The actor Brendan Fraser won the uh, whatever it was, the big award for a male, a leading male or something in a movie. Uh, incredible acting, incredible movie, but it is just harsh. It is harsh, and it's about a, a, a gigantically obese uh, guy who eats. And you look at it, man; he is eating to feed himself a drug. It's no different than a meth addict or somebody who gets completely plastered to passing out drunk. That's what he uses food for. You don't see a whole lot of comfort. You don't see him getting comfort out of that. He's just feeding the demons inside. So, you know, I want to, I want to hit that when we're talking about comfort 
food. It's interesting when you type in comfort food, when you look at it in America, it is often foods that are not going to be that nutritionally sound. Interestingly though, in, uh, it was the, uh, an article in BBC, BBC good food. So British broadcasting networks over in, in Europe and their list had a lot of foods that I would say are kind of along the sushi line as comfort foods that literally could bring you some nutritional comfort. Uh, one pot paneer curry pie, uh, next level ratatouille, they call it, call it, which if you know ratatouille, it's, I think, potatoes, but a lot of veggies, some good spices. A lot of spices can have helpful medicinal benefits to us. Italian veggie cottage pie. Uh, now, it does have triple cheese and I don't even know how you say it, aub- aubergine, aubergine uh, lasagna. Has best best ever macaroni and cheese. Now, it'd be interesting in Europe, what does that look like? And I would I would think to, especially let's say you're in Italy, it is not something out of a box. It is, you know, fresh made pasta, fresh cheese, whatever, probably not the stuff that we get out of a box. So, you know, a healthier version, but man, if, you know, again, if your comfort from a nostalgia and emotional connection is a box of just store-bought mac and cheese, well, you know, maybe there's uh, that's okay, but I would say let's not do too much. Maybe not the whole box, maybe not three boxes. Uh, the next one, they have spicy chicken and chickpea curry. As a comfort food, we wouldn't think about that in America, but I wonder if they're thinking about a longer term, deeper comfort. Uh, And they've got some other easy sausage casserole and a Mexican bean soup with guacamole, which interestingly, uh, that last one, man, that would not be good for me because beans, I just have an allergy or or a sensitivity to at least. I don't know why it's disappointing, but I do. So that would not be a comfort food for me. But we're looking at, you know, comfort, but think about it as far as peace in my body. Think about it also as performance. I mean, what you think and feel, a point, a big point here is not just a result of what you're thinking and feeling. Your very food intake is supporting or crippling, helping or hurting your mind and its capability, its capacity, and its resilience. That's the message that Will Cole is bringing to us that I'm sitting here grappling with too, as I think about what I'm eating and not eating. And, you know, getting, think about that when you do feel bad when you have those negative thoughts and emotions and you tend to eat poorly, the bag of chips and the pint of ice cream or the half gallon of ice cream. And I think that's going to compound it. So if you look at a depressed person, they're often, it's not when they have a lot of discipline and willpower, man, they're just eating what makes them feel good in the second and continues to compound that negative feeling. They'd probably be best to fast literally. Uh, now, you know, I hear that if somebody's going to say that, Oh my gosh, fasting causes me anxiety. It's something you work into. It would cause you anxiety to go deadlift 500 pounds or whatever people deadlift too. as well. It's something you got to work up to eating clean and whole foods though. So you don't want to fast eating clean and whole and nutrient dense foods. And then, you know, sleep is a big part of this too. We didn't get into talking about that with Will, but man, I can go through a few days of sleep deprivation and find that I can't think creatively. I can't think critically. I can't get myself to make decisions. I get despairing. I worry. And then I go get a night of great sleep, which is usually prompted by eating well or eating less and especially not eating close to bedtime. And I get a great sleep and I wake up the next day and oh my gosh, the world's a a happy place. Well, the circumstances didn't change. It's just my mind did according to how I was treating myself physiologically. You know, and I, with this, I, these kind of discussions, I always want to have compassion for 
food that you just enjoy and taste good are, I call them vices. Now I've had some guests say, oh, they're not vices. Those are things that, and you know, my buddy, Randy James talks about cake, you know, cake and ice cream. What a gift. What an awesome thing to have on a birthday, but not every day. How about on a birthday once a month or once every quarter, but not every day in the form of donuts for breakfast and pancakes for breakfast and, you know, high gluten and sugar rich lunches and dinners, uh, you know, there, but over here, you know, on the daily vices, man, I love my appetite. I love feeding my appetite, but I talk consistently and will has me thinking about it again about, can I upgrade my appetite? So instead of a handful of M and M's with the high sugar content tonight, can I have a handful or maybe not even a whole handful, maybe, uh, you know, five, 10, whatever, dark chocolate covered almonds. Now you may hear that and go, dude, that sucks. I literally have gotten to the point where I, I enjoy it more. The M&Ms kind of make my, sh- my throat hurt and you, know, you can feel your, you can have an insulin response and the dark chocolate covered almonds don't. And I've gotten to now where they do taste good. And I think my mind and body uh, doesn't want the M&Ms necessarily overall. I mean, on a given day, dude, I love some M&Ms, but upgrading your appetite, feed it though. Maybe do a little bit of less if you know it's a harmful food. Eat, eat, uh, make a longer gap before you sleep. Man, food can disrupt our sleep. Even great food right before you go to bed is generally going to disrupt your sleep because your body's going, oh my gosh, I got to work on this stuff. So the longer you can get it, give your body to work on it before you go to bed, which again, I say that I don't enjoy that. I'm happy to stay up late watching a movie and eating you know, whatever your, whatever your thing is, uh, chips is great. Chips and dip. Oh man. Uh, you know, the idea of delaying our food, not depriving yourself. I'm not going to deprive myself, man. I'm going to eat well, but I'm going to delay it, uh, for a while, whether you do that in the morning or the evening. Uh, and then the idea too, of getting some great stuff in, how can you just ensure today that you give your body some great stuff? Even if you have some bad stuff, can you give it some good stuff? I've been doing ads and yes, I'm paid by athletic greens, AG one. Uh, but man, that having that in a powder form, uh, and ensuring I get some nutrients in, I, I put a lot of stock in that. And the idea of, you know, an energy bar, man, a lot of those things are hard to digest, not full of good stuff. I'd much rather see people do a smoothie, which takes time. Uh, if you're lucky enough to live, not lucky enough, but if you happen to live in a city, I don't, I live in a little town up in the mountains, but a city that where you can go to a juice or to a smoothie bar and get some that are, that are decent. You got to watch some of the calories and sugar in there that they'll try to put in to make it taste good, but you can get some good stuff on the run. Having good water you know, a decent amount of water. I'm not a water Nazi that thinks you got to drink 15 gallons of water a day, but you know, I, I watch, <clears throat> I watch how much I pee literally. Am I peeing consistently? And is it clear? Not looking like lemonade. That's a bad sign. You know, not eating mindlessly is a big thing here. We talked about that in one of the shows. I feel that if I'm on the run and thinking about eating, I think I'm not going to eat on the run because I'm not thinking about it. That means I'm going to eat mindlessly. My anxiety may be higher. My energy may be high. My body's not thinking about digesting right now. Uh, I've got a lot on my mind. It's probably a good time just to skip the food. And again, for me, I just think I'm going to delay it, man. I'm not going to eat it. Even if that means I'm not going to eat lunch, but at dinner, I'm going to eat well. I'm going to enjoy it. And then when we eat right there, deep breath, being at peace, making it a ritual, sacred, some people would, but to sit down and oh, just enjoy that meal. And I've gotten to that point too, where if I just can't enjoy the meal, I may just not have it. 
or I may just wait till I can have a minute and enjoy the meal and be at peace and take my time and chew, which helps me digest, which helps me assimilate the nutrients. So I mean, it was just what a great call out uh, to bring us back to understanding that how we think affects our gut and its ability to do its job of digesting and giving us the nutrients we need. And then what we eat directly impacts how we think and our ability to think and our mental state. It's, that's a big deal to look at. And I think as you experience the benefits of it, you'll get more and more excited about taking care of yourself in this way. All right, friends, this series is aimed to help you better understand the correlation between what you eat and your very mindset and state of mind. And I trust it's giving you some great info that you can take action on, even if it's just a baby step. Thank you to Dr. Will Cole for being with me twice. First, for a discussion on the message in his book, Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. And the second time, he came back with me to talk through his personal values and habits. And you can find Will at dr for doctor, drwillcole.com. And thanks to my great friend, Dr. Randy James, for joining me in part three to further round out this discussion and bring more insight into the topic that he has expertise on as also a functional medicine doctor, which Dr. Will Cole is as well. You can find Randy at truelifemedicine.com. And friends, thank you for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven, my friends.